uh, our final speaker, who is Lauren Bock. She is a Melbourne-based comedian. She's a writer and performer. She won the Best Emerging Artist at this year's Adelaide Fringe Festival with her debut solo show that is, Is That a Burrito in Your Pocket or Are You Just Happy That You Have a Burrito? <laughs> she stopped science in year 10. Please make Lauren Bock very welcome. Guys, so I make myself red. Can we just give a big round of applause to everyone that's spoken tonight and the Bulldog Bar story in general? It's so cool to be here. Um, you're all busy laughing at the title of my solo show, so I'm just going to get this skinny bitch out of the way. There we go. Um, which uh, you managed to miss the last bit of it, which is that I did stop uh, science in year 10, right? So it's a pleasure to be here. My science teacher can suck it, basically. Which is why I'm here. Uh, yeah, it was called a burrito. Is it a pocket? Is it happy a burrito? I'm sure there wasn't anything to do with cholera in it. Uh, so thank you so much for having me here. Um, yeah, it's Builders Five Scientists. Uh, I am not a scientist. Uh, not at all. Uh, I still deal with formulas. They're somewhat more comedic uh, these days. Uh, I have a doctorate in laughter, right? And some medicine sometimes is just love. All right, good. Uh, so um, science, that's the thing about, the reason I think I'm here is because I think science is becoming more accessible than ever to people like me. Uh, someone that doesn't have a scientific brain with the right amount of communication can understand concepts like how atoms work, or how a star is formed, or how the race against antibiotics is killing us all. Yay, I know that now. Uh, so it's an ex exciting time, but I also think it's a very scary time because uh, for someone like me, uh, the way media uses and abuses science means that misinformation can spread like wildfire. And also people can pick which information suits their agenda and they choose to ignore other huge issues such as climate change and global warming. <laughs> Tony Abbott. <laughs> or Pauline Hanson. Um, so uh, science, I think, is, it gives us the key to the future, but scientists sometimes can't necessarily open the door. Um, it's everyone else around science, like governments and corporations and how they communicate science. I think that is just as equally as important. Um, so uh, my chat with you, I would like to feel like it would be very appropriate for a non-scientist like me to maybe talk about maybe like a semi-non-scientist that, that is opening that door. And yes, I am comparing myself to Elon Musk. <laughs> who I will be talking about this evening, uh, as he just enjoyed his uh, 45th birthday on the uh, 28th of June, and since the Juno satellite is uh, just reached Jupiter, I think things are looking very spacey this week, so I thought I would focus on that. Um, so Elon Musk, in short, gives me hope. Um, I'm, a, I'm, you know, Gen Wire, and, uh, you know, it means that I, I know that I'll likely I'll never have a pension, I'll never own a house, I'm aware that having a child is the worst possible thing I can do for the environment, at least that's what I keep telling my mum. Uh, the future is full of doom and gloom and I am inheriting a world that was trashed by my parents' generation and I don't have the optimism of the new generation coming up. The weight of the world keeps me up at night sometimes. And, uh, you know, sometimes I wonder in futility, what does it all matter? The, uh, the planet has been destroyed. I don't even really know how to recycle properly. I don't. Egg cartons, what do we do with them? What do we do? We, you put them out? Okay, right. Um, so Elon Musk is uh, often described as a real-life Iron Man. I have not seen the Iron Man movies. I will not be focusing on that point. 
Uh, but he was from, uh, it was, uh, from Generation X, uh, which was probably even bleaker time, I guess, when you think about it, because it was dogged by a sort of financial crisis uh, and by the rise of Silicon Valley and the promise of a better world that wasn't quite delivered. We ended up in a worse place. Um, and yet he remains to me a really shining beacon of a person that has power and actually uses it for good. Um, and perhaps by my perception, one of the only people in power that is actually using it for good. And in his lifetime, he has challenged all notions of business being the opposite of humanity. Uh, every new idea he has gives back to the future. Yep, you got that. Uh, gives back to the future that we are facing, which is a reality that's getting ever so closer to us. And I feel like his insight into predicting what technology will need in the future means you think maybe he just has like a spooky crone witch in his attic that just tells him what to do. Um, so in brief, if you aren't aware of Elon Musk, um, he uh, just, just a little, just to go into it deeper later, uh, he made the first prototype of what we now have as Google Maps. He sold it off for a staggering amount and he used that to make an electric car that actually works and then used that to challenge one of the largest government agencies in history in the world by creating more powerful and innovative product at a sixth of the price and sending it to Mars. Uh, and now he's hoping to get the world a little bit closer together with trains that go as fast as the speed of sound, which I'm sure the aeronautics industry is really thrilled about. So if his goal was to make friends with big companies, he is going about it the wrong way. Uh, so power and corruption go together, and Musk violates this code and angers the people around him. He's not, he doesn't have a lot of like, amazing sort of quotables and words, but one thing he did say was, some people don't like change, but you need to embrace change if the alternative is disaster. So Musk, uh, haters gonna hate. And uh, for me, Musk epitomizes the classic words of another famous non-scientist, Taylor Swift. Uh, because he just sakes, sakes it off, right? And I'm a Muscovite, so here we go. Chapter one, escape from apartheid. Uh, Musk was born in uh, Pretoria in uh, South Africa. Um, he was universally accepted by his family as a little smartass. Uh, they hoped it was a phase, and it was not. Uh, he read books 10 hours a day, and he learned code at 12, and he made his first little video game called Blaster, uh, which he sold for $500. And you can go online and play that little game today. Uh, he was the unfortunate victim of a bullying at an early age, right? Classic. Um, and once he actually was hospitalized um, because he got thrown down some stairs and beaten up by his bullies. Um, and maybe, maybe this actually galvanized him against bullies later in life, you know? I mean, I guess... We'll never know for sure, but I definitely think he learnt very long how to not give two shits about people that try and push you around. Um, and I hope one of these days, maybe one of his bullies sends him a Facebook message, like trying to like, you know, bait him in like, oh, hi, Elon, it's Frank from Waka Kloof uh, House Preparatory School. I just wanted to say sorry for the time I was mean to you. Here, you're doing really great now. You'll always be a loser. <laughs> and he replies with a picture of himself riding a multi-million dollar rocket surrounded by beautiful ladies. Uh, when he was 19, he was accepted into Queen's University, moved to Canada, and it was a kind of a slightly planned move as it meant he evaded the South African compulsory military service for a government that he did not support. Uh, he went to Pennsylvania University after that and he got two degrees in physics and economics, despite the fact he did not go to any classes. Uh, he didn't go to any of them, he, uh, he just read the textbook and then he would just go to the exams. Um, and he candidly admits uh, the majority of his time at university was spent making up for lost time. If you know what I mean, right? Dungeons and Dragons, right? Girls, girls, I meant girls. Dungeons, no, girls. 
Definitely girls, and that's, uh, he actually uh, met his wife there as well. Um, so uh, he was accepted into Stanford uh, to do his PhD over there, but very quite infamously, he lasted two days, which I think I would do as well. So we move on to chapter two. Can we think of a catchier name than Zip2? Uh, Elon moved uh, to the US in 1995 with his brother Kimball. Yes, Kimball, yes. Elon and Kimball, which sounds like a 1970s country and western acoustic duo, started a company called Zip2, which sounds like a cheap brand of condoms. <laughs> Seems legit, right? Uh, but it, what it was, Zip2 was a digital meeting of a phone book and a map. No one had thought of this before. The internet was like three years old. Um, and they're getting this little thing up the ground, um, they had to go and meet some large corporations and sort of try and get contracts to uh, basically start getting um, companies online. Um, but people poo-pooed their idea. Not the first time that Elon would be poo-pooed. Uh, they didn't really believe in the World Wide Web uh, and they met their first round of jeers, including an executive that they were pitching to, threw a phone book in front of it and said, this will never replace this! Whoa! Whoa, that guy. <sighs> kind of reminds me of that guy in uh, 1899 that said, uh, everything that can be invented has been invented. <laughs> Classic. All right. Um, the product, uh, the code, um, Musk wrote the code for it, actually, secured many large contracts and was eventually bought by Compaq and AltaVista for very cheeky $307 million cash and $34 million in stock options whatever those things are. <laughs> Elon was 28 years old when that happened. That is younger than Beyonce. <laughs> yeah, Beyonce should be bad. She should feel bad for not achieving more. <laughs> Chapter three, the payload. <laughs> uh, Elon used this money to start a finance website called x.com and had a merger with a company called Confinity, uh, who owned another sweet little startup called PayPal. Uh, and the company renamed itself PayPal. They knew we were on a good thing there. And they sold themselves to eBay for $1.5 billion in uh, 2002. Uh, Elon, Elon's cut of this was about $160 million, about that much, uh, when he was 31. So, uh, holy shit. Uh, Beyonce, seriously, mate, look at your choices. Come on, think about it. <laughs> Um, so we have chapter four, SpaceX and Tesla, which is probably where a lot of people might start picking up on the story. Um, it was, this was child's play in comparison to what happened next. You know, you'd think most people would be like, oh, it's Silicon Valley. Oh, I made my cheeky couple of hungy milbos. Um, I think what I'll do is I'll just find an island somewhere and just retire next to Johnny Depp, right? That would be a pretty sweet dream. I feel like achievement unlocked, have a good life, but not... Musk, it was just the beginning of everything. And over the next decade, he would found not one, but two of the most shit-stirring companies the world had ever seen. Tesla Motors and SpaceX. So I'm not gonna lie, um, the story of Tesla Motors does not uh, rev my engine uh, as much of uh, the same way SpaceX uh, makes me take off, right? <laughs> Groan is just as good as a laugh. I'll take that. Uh, so just a quick overview of Tesla. Um, it, it, it started promisingly, didn't go well, then went a little bit well, then went a bit better, then it plateaued, did not really well, and was literally hours away from bankruptcy at one point, and Musk poured all of his money into it. He had SpaceX going at the same time, but he just believed in making an electric car so, so much. 
Um, maybe because he also bought a, a formula, like a like a like a one of his first purchases is like a millionaire. It was like a really fancy car, and then he crashed it within like five hours. So maybe he was just chasing his dream. Um, Musk actually went a little mad and had developed his own conspiracy theory that the car industry was holding back electric cars. Probably a little bit of truth in that. Uh, I, th I was thinking it was the stonecutters that did that, but. Simpsons, thank you. That man gets it. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, so he did actually try and make like a sports car-esque thing. Like he knew that that if he was going to capture like the hearts and minds, he would have to make an electric car that didn't look or feel like an electric car. That it still had guts and had that kind of visceral connection that rev heads would have with cars. Um, and he tried, and they took it on Top Gear, and it quite it, it failed. It just broke. The thing just stopped in the middle of the racetrack. And uh, Jeremy Clarkson was not impressed. Captain Slow on the other was like, gave it about a 7 out of 10. So it was, a, it, was, it was a bit hard. It was a bit heartbreaking for him. Um, he, didn't want to, um, he didn't want to let it go, but it was one of those things that just never really got off the ground. Um, so anyway, after sort of that kind of died down, he sort of went to more development process and went back to his... Um, back to the drawing board, basically, um, and later had some resurgence. Uh, when it seemed to be actually the best thing that came out of uh, Tesla Motors, and which is kind of getting a bit more momentum now, is the kind of, uh, the research that went into the batteries that they make in the Tesla cars has now sort of gone over into another sort of section uh, in which possibly we can create battery-powered houses, um, which also uh, combines with another one of Elon's ventures that he made with his cousins, uh, which is a solar panel. Um, company. So currently, actually, there is a merger happening between Tesla Motors and uh, Solar City, which is basically Elon going, you guys are going to be friends, um, to basically make uh, solar panels on top of a roof that will uh, be able to store power that you can then have as a battery on your wall and control your entire house from that. But of course, electric companies, also not big fans either. <laughs> Again, the guy is not here to make friends, all right? So anyway... The start of SpaceX saw Musk travelling to Russia to buy rockets, where he got spat on by a Russian rocket businessman. They exist. Literally, he decided the only reason that SpaceX really happened is one of those little sort of like butterfly effects. And the only reason that SpaceX became as innovative and as cheap as it did is because Elon Musk couldn't be bothered dealing with the Russians. And in fact, on these multiple trips that he would go to Russia and they'd sit around and drink vodka and be like, to America, to rockets, to Mars. And he'd be like, when the fuck is this going to be over? And um, their way of doing business like challenged him so much and he just wasn't getting anywhere with it. Then on a, um, on a ride home from, the, from like another failed Russian uh, expedition, he just sat down in front of a spreadsheet and then turned around to his mates that went with him and he goes, guys... Guys, we can just make them ourselves. And that's exactly what he fucking did. He just took his bat and his ball and he went home. And he made SpaceX at home. Uh, so he just, you know, I'm going to make our own fire space tubes, you commies. Okay. Musk, he, had no, he made no bones about the fact that he wanted to go to Mars from the get-go. He was very inspired by uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, not kidding. Um, and he caused a lot of confusion amongst his friends and his co-workers and his family when he questioned his sanity on more than one occasion. Um, the only ones that were really super chill about uh, the whole Mars thing were the guys that he gave money to, to try and get him to, to, to go to Mars. Um, so he get more of an idea about space travel. Um, and I think it's hard when you have like a million billion dollar man 
that wants to go to Mars but has all these other really kind of legitimate ideas. You're like, just, Elon, just calm down on the Mars thing for a little bit, would you? Right? Because we almost maybe have this NASA contract. Which is what happened. NASA was quietly dozing in the corner when they picked up on this whole thing. And they suddenly sat up and noticed. And they awarded a $1.6 billion contract to SpaceX to make a rocket and a spacecraft and start sending supplies to the International Space Station, which is kind of like a space Uber. A spooba. I was proud of that one. I took the day off. <laughs> SpaceX developed what's uh, their first uh, prototype rocket, which is called the Falcon 1, which is uh, named after the Millennium Falcon. What nerds! <laughs> which was the very first privately owned and entirely homemade, American-made rocket to leave the atmosphere. It was embarrassing how cheap Musk could make his rockets. At a time where a rocket could uh, take 20 kilos of, 200 kilos of gear to the um, International Space Station for around about a price tag of 30 million, Musk promised that Falcon 9 could take 630 kilos up for 6.7 million. Um, and the way he did that is by basically whipping his employees into insanity. But, well, how else are you going to get things done, right? But he would do things like he would set challenges um, to them. They say, like, you have a 20 grand budget. And they would laugh at him like he was pretty used to it by now. And then, lo and behold, they would actually work it out and they would make something for 20 grand. It was only because he had such faith that he could be done that other people believed him. He was, was inspiring and was inspired himself. So now SpaceX, like, delivers on the reg to the ISSS, uh, and uh, has many exciting rocket launches every few months, uh, and they've just uh, created a reusable rocket. Um, and there's lots of excellent GIFs online that you can go and look at, uh, of rockets like crashing into the ocean, or on barges, or on rocket pads, and like, you name it, you know, it's crashed everywhere, it's great. They did have a bunch of successful launches, I should say, I should say that. They actually had a really, really great, they actually launch way more than NASA does, way more than anybody does, and has way, more, way, way more success at it, at a sort of fraction of the price. He is changing, in, this, in his own lifetime, what it has taken decades and decades and decades of people that have really not done anything about. Um, you can watch all the rocket launches live and the consequent Twitter frenzy that follows. Hashtag Falcon 9, hashtag Falcon Heavy, hashtag Heavy Payload, hashtag that's what she said. Space is so sexy. Musk makes a very good point that the fact that we are so close as we will ever be to being interplanetary. And he says, why aren't we going? Because if we're this close and everywhere else hasn't done it before, then it would actually do ourselves a disservice to humanity to just let it go. Um, and all his plans do meld into one when it comes to Mars. His electric cars, his battery-powered environments, the rockets and the sustainable technology all coming together really quickly and efficiently to get humans onto another planet. But not just any humans. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Musk himself wants to go to Mars, yeah? Uh, he has expressed that he would, I would like to die on Mars, just not on impact. <laughs> Look, uh, I'm slightly annoyed. That's the biggest laugh so far. <laughs> And it wasn't my joke. <laughs> Bloody zinger though, right? Anyway, I'm sure he took the day off when he wrote that as well. Um, but seriously, either he wants to go to Mars or he wants to have his ashes put up there as well. So my understanding of it, that is eventually we're just gonna have to change it to Mars. <laughs> oh, he'll do it, he will. 
So anyway, uh, just to sidetrack, chapter five, bit of personal stuff, okay? So Elon's obviously uh, done a lot with his life, but it, when it comes to his personal life, I think when you have someone that's like kind of a mad genius, they're not exactly, uh, they probably don't know many of the languages of love, let's get it out there, right? Um, he was a veritable Elizabeth Taylor of scientific entrepreneurs. In fact, if Elon Musk was a woman, then his name would be Elonetta Musk Wilson Riley Riley. Uh, his first wife, uh, who was a girlfriend from university, would tell him, I am your wife, not your employee. And he would say, if you were in my employee, I would fire you. <laughs> oh, far out. Um, so, yeah, she fired him. Yeah, okay. That was a, unfortunately, um, just when the whole Tesla thing was going down, the bankruptcy thing was happening, um, they actually, the couple lost their first child to sudden infant death syndrome which is completely tragic. But uh, fortunately, they did go on and through IVF, um, they managed to have two uh, twin boys, right? Yay. And then they had another set of triplet boys. Yay. <laughs> so um, actually, side note, Justine Musk is an incredible writer and unfortunately part of the prenup uh, that they had an agreement uh, means that she actually has a gag order and she can't write the juicy best-selling tell-all memoir that like, you know that she has in her, which is a real shame. You can actually read her like quite angry, thinly veiled articles about Elon and you know, it just like kills her. Um, but you know, maybe when Elon goes to Mars, she'll be like, fucking get up there. <laughs> Who needs you on Earth, motherfucker? I know how that feels, anyway. Uh, Elon uh, actually met uh, actress Tallulah Riley like literally a minute after he filed divorce from Justine. He sent her a text message six weeks after they separated. Uh, Tallulah Riley is an actress, she's a bit younger, she's quite attractive. Um, they got married, then unmarried, then married again, and then Tallulah filed for divorce at the end of last year. So who freaking knows what's gonna happen? He might end up being Elon Musk, Wilson, Riley, Riley, Riley. Uh, but on a more positive note, and which I feel like maybe whatever Elon makes up for in his uh, sort of lack of like, empathy for his wives, uh, Tula Riley and Justin Musk are really good friends. And a part of me thinks they'll both stand on the launch pad and just give him the finger as he takes off. So anyway, chapter six, uh, which is we're getting closer to today, uh, which is Hyperloop. Um, the next uh, latest idea from everyone soon to be Martian uh, is high-speed rail. Um, and he's actually, they've just started testing, uh, just like literally just this month gone. Um, and they did a call out to get, uh, to get like designs and plants sort of, um, uh, they, you got to apply to actually have your design made and tested at the facility. Um, the idea is to use magnets, electricity, and like a vacuum um, to like just to, we'll do freight, and then they'll do people over long distances at a tiny fraction of the speed. For a guy that makes rockets, he really doesn't like planes very much. Um, but the Hyperloop plans on getting passengers, for example, from Helsinki to Stockholm in 30 minutes, which seems very convenient. But I kind of feel like with the whole Brexit thing, um, Britain might not want that. In which case, we'd have to make a hyperloop that would just could have go from like France just straight to Scotland, <laughs> which would be great. So, epilogue. We're pretty much up to date now. Um, of course, I think uh, Musk is not exactly. He's still human. He's still fallible. He's not exactly a sort of man that you know that you could just think the world of. There's always a couple of. There's, I feel like there's a slight darkness there to him that maybe doesn't get sort of put out there, but occasionally. He does get a couple of bits of bad press and some bad news. Um, but he's a man that has had people tell him he's wrong and laugh in his face. 
his whole life. And not everything goes according to plan. And he has a lot of balls in the air and he faces struggles from all sides, including from himself. There are people in the world, many, many people that want him to fail. But in doing that, he has already succeeded. Uh, because the status quo of the world isn't exactly doing us any favours right now. And we need people like Elon Musk to keep uh, being crazy geniuses and to keep going against the grain and keeping those Luddites on their toes. They give us hope. And they don't just listen to the naysayers. And I think we could all use a little bit of musk in us, you know. <laughs> oh, boy. We're almost there, guys. Come on. This is my, this is my serious bit. We could all use a little bit of musk in us if we ever need to be brave, okay? Looking at you, Beyonce, just leave Jay-Z. Just freaking leave him. He allows us to face our fears and actually do something where we get to leave the world a better place than we found it, and to do it with intelligence, guts, ingenuity, and just plain hard work. There is not too, nothing ventured and nothing gained, and I think we gain to stand and learn so much from a humble venture capitalist like Elon Musk. Thank you for listening, guys.